Hello and welcome ladies and gentlemen to this Austroads webinar, Road Transport Management Framework and Principles. Thank you for taking your time to join us today. My name is Eliz and I'm the moderator in this session here to provide any technical support if you need. You can contact me by using the chat box in your webinar toolbar. So just a bit about us, Austroads supports its member organisations, those listed here, to deliver an improved road transport network. Austroads members are collectively responsible for managing 900,000 kilometres of roads, valued at more than $200 billion. A collective approach delivers value for money, encourages shared knowledge and drives consistency for road users. We are proud to bring this webinar to you today. In terms of timings, the presentations will run for approximately 35 minutes altogether with 15 minutes at the end for our Q&A. We are also recording today's session and will be sharing the footage on the conclusion of the webinar. The presentation slides can also be downloaded in the handout section in your webinar toolbar. We'd like for you to participate in the webinar, so please don't be afraid to ask any questions if you have any. At any stage of the webinar, you can type your questions into the questions box in your sidebar. To help us answer your question, please include the slide number your question relates to. We'll then collate all the questions and our presenters will answer them during our Q&A at the end. This webinar will give you an overview of current contemporary road transport management practices in Australasia and a harmonised framework. This webinar is based on a report that Austria has released recently. You can download this report and also a document outlining the framework in the handout section in your sidebar. You can simply pull up this document as a quick reference sheet whenever our presenters refer to the framework and principles during their presentation. So it's my pleasure to introduce our two presenters today. They are both from ARB in Sydney and it is their second time back presenting. You can view their first webinar on our website. One of our presenters is Dr. Art Kandacharuk. He is a senior research engineer and is also the research leader for this project. He has over 15 years experience in road transport, traffic management, road safety and integrated transport planning. We also have a SIF here. Asif Hassan, who is a professional engineer and is the co-author of this Austro's research report. He has over five years experience in traffic safety and engineering, network operations and modelling and driver distraction. So for the agenda today, Asif will provide a project background and an introduction to the project objectives and methods. He will then provide an overview of the literature review findings. Uh, we'll then run through the development of the framework and principles and outcome of the consultation with jurisdictions. At the end of the presentation, we'll have the Q&A. So I will now hand it over to Asif. Welcome back, Asif. Thank you. Thank you, Elise, and welcome, everyone. Before I start the main presentation, I'm going to talk a little bit about the project team. Project manager of this project was Cameron Lee from Big Roads, and it was led by Dr. Art, my co-presenter today. And I was a core member of the project and co-author of this report. The project working group was formed by the representatives from the Austroads member organizations. Again, before we start our presentation, we'd like to inform that 
Due to space constraint within presentation slides and to maintain consistency across slides, we could not include the citations of the images used in the literature review findings. Some of the images were properly cited in the report itself, and we have sincerely acknowledged work done by other researchers from where the images were taken. Now, let's start with the main presentation. I will start my presentation with the project background and motivation. The management of a road transport system is a complicated and multimodal. Road transport management or RTM, I will refer it as RTM throughout my presentation today. RTM in Australia and New Zealand is predominantly the responsibility of state road agencies, local government and private toll operators who are assigned with managing the public road network. Without an agreed and well-established RTM framework, the Austroads member organizations are facing inconsistency in planning, assessing, and managing road transport infrastructure, systems, and initiatives. Austroads Guide to Road Transport Planning, published in 2009, is being replaced by a Commonwealth document, Australian Transport Assessment Planning Guidelines, or ATAP, published in 2016. However, this Commonwealth document superseding the previous national guidelines for transport system management that aims at a much higher level of transport planning and does not include New Zealand. Therefore, Austroads has identified the lack of a nationally agreed harmonized management framework across the member organizations as a gap in the RTM knowledge. Australian Road Research Board, ARRB, has been engaged by Austroads to investigate RTM framework that is underpinned by several principles. Now, with the interconnectivity of the various disciplines, as well as the emergence of intelligent transport system and connected autonomous vehicles, the RTM practice is complex and evolving rapidly. Therefore, key objectives of the project were to identify contemporary best practice in RTM through three different tasks. They are a literature review of international practice, a review of existing road agency practice in Australia and New Zealand, and stakeholder consultation. And finally, based on the information gleaned from these activities, develop a nationally agreed framework that is underpinned by several principles. So that are the objectives of our current project. Now I'm going to talk about a bit about literature review findings. It was acknowledged in an inception meeting held in November last year that the RTM topic is broad as it covers a wide range of disciplines, including transport planning, network operations, road safety, traffic management, land use planning, road design, asset management, and human factors. To guide the literature review and the subsequent investigation and analysis, it is important to not only define the scope of the RTM literature review, but also to understand the goal of what RTM practice aim to achieve. In this project, the ultimate goal of RTM is to provide a safe, efficient, reliable, and sustainable transport system. Following a teleconference meeting with project working group representatives in December 2016, a number of interrelated RTM topics were discussed and largely agreed by the project working group members. 15 RTM principles have been identified upon discussion with project working group members. And these are the principles. The first one is multimodal network operation planning, functional load classification, which is followed by well-connected transport network and infrastructure, and so on. Now, I'm going to talk about briefly 
about the outcome from literature review for each of these principles. The first principle is multimodal network operation planning. Road network operation planning is relatively new and its methodology is, is still evolving. Its primary function as a planning process is to align transport improvement initiatives with network operation objectives, high-level network strategies, and the primary functions of a road network element. There are four steps in multimodal network planning. The first one, determine multimodal network objectives, performance, indicators, and targets, which is followed by defining the multimodal transport networks and their functions. The third step is development of a multimodal network strategies to achieve system objectives and performance targets. And finally, determine affordable multimodal intervention benchmarks or standards for infrastructure investment so that it can be ensured about the benchmarks are consistent with system objectives and strategies. However, this step is optional. The next principle is functional road classification. A functional road classification is important to the safe and efficient management of road transport infrastructure because the process of classifying roads and streets considers, the considers and prioritizes the user's journey needs and through a road design process manages potential user conflicts and expectations. The functional aspects of a road have changed over time with a focus traditionally placed on vehicular traffic. This is obvious in an application of two functions of mobility and access in the conventional traffic engineering and street design. The picture on the left hand side shows theoretically the movement function is the inverse of the access function. For example, a road with a higher traffic movement function has restricted access to pedestrians as, and vice versa. The two functions were fundamental in managing the road network as demonstrated in design and operational guides that have been reviewed. A number of transport agencies have, have applied movement and place principles to the planning and management of road networks. In Australasian context, the movement and place assessment has been identified as a contemporary practice for road use prioritization by Austroads in a report published in 2015. Picture in the right hand side shows a movement and place framework for NSW road planning process. The framework considers the different functions of each road type and how the road performs its functions to meet its user needs and community expectations. The third principle is well-connected transport network infrastructure. The image here compares an interconnected road pattern with a disconnected layout in order to demonstrate the benefit of reducing trip distances and providing multiple route options between a house and a local school. Therefore, creating a well-connected network with an access management strategy is fundamental to the safety, efficient, and resilient aspects of road transport management. Road connectivity can be defined as the density of connections in a road network and the directness of its links. The efficiency of a well-connected transport system enables convenient access by a variety of means of transport from walking, cycling, driving, and using public transport. This encourages the use of more sustainable modes over automobile. The next principle is traffic control devices and techniques. 
Traffic control devices and techniques are concerned with the methods that are required for effective traffic management and control within a transport network. Various traffic control devices such as signs, markings, traffic signals, delineators, traffic island are used to implement traffic control measures and they provide a safe, efficient flow in road network. More advanced traffic control techniques incorporate technology and some of form of physical control devices leading to a substantial traffic safety and mobility benefits. One such technique is variable speed limit sign, which are predominantly employed in a managed motorway environment and pedestrian activity areas such as activity centers and school zones. Managed motorways refer to the combined use of smart technology to allow the proactive real-time management of the road network. Research suggests the installation of variable speed limit sign on motorways has improved road safety in many countries and reported 20 to 30 percent reduction in accidents after the installation of variable speed limit signs. This is because variable speed limit signs have the capability of reducing the accident probability by informing drivers to reduce and homogenize their speed. Ramp metering is another key element of managed motorways as it reduces delay and maintain capacity flow on motorway entrance ramps by regulating the flow of entering traffic. The image for ramp metering presents the quality of a metering strategy based on ramp demand volume. Good quality metering has an ability of 80% or higher. For example, if the ramp demand is less than 1200 vehicles, for example, see this point or this left-hand side area of this particular image. A single lane ramp can be used to provide a good quality metering. However, the number of cars to be metered should be selected based on actual ramp demand volume. Research conducted in the US on seven ramp metering systems uh, reported that average highway speeds increased by 29% and accident decreased by almost 30% after ramp metering was installed. The next principle is traffic coming and local area traffic management. The term traffic coming describes speed control measures to support the introduction of 30 km per hour zones in order to improve street environments, but the concept has a much broader implication. Some of the traffic coming measures are speed humps, speed cushion, slow points, lane narrowing or curb etc extensions and so on. Traffic coming at a local level in Australia and New Zealand is called local area traffic management. It utilizes physical devices, streetscaping treatments and other measures including regulations and non-physical measures to influence vehicle operation in order to improve road safety and amenity in local areas. The sixth principle is traffic incident management. Traffic incident management is a coordinated process to detect, to respond to, and clear traffic incidents as quickly and safely as possible with an aim to reduce the impacts of incidents on safety and traffic operation. Traffic incident management involves multiple responders from a variety of organizations, each with a specific role and responsibility before, during, and after an incident. As a part of the literature review, Ostrut's project NS1017 was identified as a significant milestone in establishing an ongoing improvement process 
in traffic incident management in Australia and New Zealand. As shown in the figure on the left hand side, the project consisted of six tasks. The first five tasks resulted in five publications, all published in 2007. Traffic incident management is a process of managing multi-agency, multi-jurisdictional response to road traffic incidents. It incorporates planning, management, operations, and review of incident management activities. A number of traffic management techniques from incident detection to traveler information are identified in the best practice report. The image on the right hand side showed a nationally agreed traffic incident management framework that is underpinned by seven traffic management principles. This framework has recently been published in a report by Osorps this year. It discussed the development of the framework based on baseline and emerging technologies that are required for different traffic incident management stages. The next principle is life cycle asset management. Effective life cycle asset management is of critical importance for transport agencies because the value of transport infrastructure assets is very high compared to other public assets. Osroots proposed a different elements of life cycle asset management and is presented in that particular image. The center represents the main aim and focus of road as network asset management, which is to deliver an agreed level of service at the lowest long-term whole of life cycle costs for road users and stakeholders. The six elements that are current in YOLO, establishing the inner loop, denote the physical actions associated with asset management. The four elements in the middle circle in pink represent the strategic activities that are essential for successful asset management. The outer circle signifies the integrated asset management process. The next principle is integrated transport and land use planning. The significance of undertaking integrated transport and land use planning has long been recognized in the literature. The traditional concept involves steering the urban planning outcome towards higher densities around high capacity public transport link and or travel demand reduction by balancing land for local jobs and housing. As shown in the image, the transport network as a servant of a city structure and through the urban planning system, a city is reshaped to facilitate efficient and sustainable transport operations. While the cluster and connect model plays an important role at a local and district levels, the emerging integrated transport and land use planning approach asserts that full integration of transport and land use planning must also recognize and harness the city shaping power of major transport investment decisions. The next principle is parking strategy and management. Parking forms an essential component of road transport system as it allows drivers to safely store their vehicles while they are not used as it forms an interface between road network and other land users. Osroads has categorized parking into two broad areas such as off-street and on-street parking. Research suggests on-street parking produces a significant number of mid-block road crossings or pedestrian traffic and therefore increased likelihood of pedestrian-related severe crashes. A new smart parking system aimed at testing easing traffic congestion and making parking more convenient. The image on the right-hand side, right side is showing an example of the smart parking technology that is currently being trialed in SAT Australia. 
The system includes 460 infrared parking base sensor, 5 LED parking availability street signs, and the Park CBR smartphone application. Using a simple red, amber, and green system, that particular mobile phone application provides real-time parking availability confirmation. It supports, it supports driver to find and pay for parking as it interacts with most satellite navigation apps and provides the ability to pay for parking with a mobile device. This trial will evaluate the ability of the smart parking program to provide timely parking information to drivers and decrease congestion and improve user experience. The next principle is travel demand management. Travel demand management is a term applied to a broad range of techniques, including the management of existing road space and the amount of traffic on a specific route. Travel demand management aims to reduce the impact of travel on road and transport system, as well as the need and extent of car can travel. It also attempts to address congestion and environmental issues in a supply and demand framework. The Ostroads guideline published almost 20 years ago highlighted the purpose and objectives of TDM. Due to the diverse nature of the transport system, Ostroads classified the objectives into two broad categories, performance-based and purpose-based. Performance-based objectives are based on environmental, financial or economic and social considerations. The purpose-based objectives are based on administrative, incentives and educational considerations. There are different types of actions that can be undertaken depending on how and where they are implemented. Examples of TDM actions are improvements to alternative travel modes such as walking and cycling, integrating transport and land use planning, workplace TDM measures, ceiling on trip generation, taxi sharing, area pricing, road pricing, high occupancy vehicle or HOV lanes, and so on. The 11th principle is safe system approach and its principles. The safe system approach is being applied to ensure safety and to gradually move towards zero to serious and fatal injuries. Safe system principles aim to manage the four pillars of safe systems that are safe roads, safe speeds, safe vehicles, and safe people to eliminate deaths and serious injury as a consequence of a road crash. A fifth pillar involving emergency response and post-crash care is often cited internationally. The next principle is electric connected autonomous vehicles. With growing technological developments, there has been increasing interest in the advancement of smart vehicles technologies, such as electric vehicles, connected vehicles, and autonomous vehicles or driverless vehicles in recent years. Research suggests that the uptake of electric vehicles can reduce emission by 16% for passenger cars and by 47% for light commercial vehicles by 2050. Most of the available research on electric vehicles primarily focuses on the environmental benefits. However, some studies highlight their value from a network operations point of view as well. Rapid technological developments can also be seen in the area of connected vehicles. Connected vehicles can be defined as a vehicles that are equipped with wireless connectivity to the internet, local network, other vehicles, personal communication devices, roadside infrastructure or control centers, 
for real-time communication or exchange of data. Some of the connected vehicle technology also includes services like traveler information and navigation, safety alerts and warnings, infotainment and software updates. Another form of smart vehicle is the autonomous vehicle raises more possibilities than any other transport innovation in recent years and there is much speculation regarding its impact. However, the impact will certainly vary depending on the level of automation. Automated vehicle has several benefits in the domain of traffic operations, safety, transport infrastructure, and so on. The 13th principle is transport sustainability and resilience. In recent decades, there has been growing interest in sustainable transport. National and international studies have highlighted the benefits of sustainable transport planning and its components. Different transport facilities and activities that have significant sustain sustainability impacts are set out in the table above. In the image in the bottom is showing the theoretical definition of resilience. Resilience is the ability of a transport system and its components to anticipate, absorb and accommodate and recover from the effects of a hazardous events in a timely and efficient manner. Because resilience is a function of vulnerability and a rate of recovery, it is important to understand and establish the performance criteria for transport infrastructure in natural hazard events and major traffic incidents. The image provides a conceptual definition of resilience. It suggests that level of resilience is inversely proportional to the shaded green area. What does that mean? This means if the area of the shaded green part increases, the level of resilience will decrease. The next principle is human factors and road user behavior. Human factors and road user behavior are closely linked to each other and significant components of transport planning. Road user behavior covers a wide range of activities in the context of road transport system, such as how road users travel, what they do, to what degree road users perceive safety and which skills and attitude are important to ensure safe travel for the road users. It is no, there is no doubt that driving is a complex task and it requires basic physical and mental ability, training and experience to perform the task in a safe manner. The driving task as well as the overall transport system are influenced by a number of human factors including physical, for example strength and vision, psychological or behavioral, such as reaction time or emotion, cognitive, like decision-making and attention. Other examples of human factor aspects are performance decrements of driving tasks that resulted from impairment, such as alcohol consumption, drug use and fatigue, distraction and inattention, as well as emotional factors, including stress. The last principle is stakeholder collaboration and engagement. Development of any unified and nationally agreed framework requires interjurisdictional and interagency collaborative planning. It is now well established that collaborative planning is an essential component of the planning and policy development of the whole road transport system and delivery of any successful project. Collaborative planning includes planning closely with industry, the community, and the stakeholders on any particular project. Every group has a different point of view and different opinions. 
Therefore, failing to include the community can lead to criticisms and concerns. From a government's point of view, this situation can impede the productivity of the planning process because of the ineffective use of time and resources. So that's all from my side. And now I'm going, going to hand it to over to Art. And before I hand it over to Art, I would like to remind you, everyone, to type in any questions that you may have. Thank you. Thank you, Asif. Now I'm going to talk about contemporary art and techniques in different jurisdictions across Australia and New Zealand. It is known that the 15 topics discussed by Asif as part of the literature review were the scope of the review process. There were two main methods of determining the extent to which East Australasian jurisdiction apply RTM techniques. The first method was a review of publicly available documents and information from the agency website. This would give an over, overview of the current practice from an outsider perspective. For an inside opinion, a stakeholder consultation including survey questionnaire and follow-up interview was undertaken with the relevant agencies. There were five steps in the documentation review. First is the identification of government agencies that are responsible for RTM. The agency that were investigated are listed on the left-hand side of the slide. The second step involves searching the website for high-level documents such as strategy, policy, and plans. Next, use a search engine to find specific documents such as technical publication and then review the document against the 15 RTM topics. Lastly, the document will assess based on the five areas of consideration that include mobility, safety, assets, technology, and the triple bottom line of environmental, social, and economic considerations. This and the following slides show some examples of RTM documents from the Australasian jurisdiction. The diagram here shows um, a framework to create an integrated transport network in support of the ACT government's broader economic, social, and environmental objectives. Key elements relevant to the RTM um, practice are promoting active travel, creating better parking solutions, improving road and freight efficiency, as well as designing a connected city. Based on the 2012, sorry, 2012 long-term transport master plan, the diagram to the left shows the relationship between land use and the way a transport system is developed via corridor and network planning. The diagram to the right shows both radio and connected networks. In contrast to a radio network, a connected transport system that operates cross regionally would increase travel opportunity and choices. Currently, trans Transport for New South Wales has commenced updating the long-term transport master plan with the release of the future transport strategy. The strategy will have a view to 2056 and seeks to meet the future transport needs of all New South Wales customers. A key outcome of this strategy is to ensure that 
road safety is embedded in all aspects of transport services, network, asset, and infrastructure. The New Zealand Transport Agency documented the opportunities and benefit of ITS in its position statement on intelligent transport systems. ITS technologies are recognized as tools that can be used to contribute to the government transport objective for an effective, efficient, resilient, safe, and res responsible transport system. The table identifies some examples of the ITS benefits, such as improved journey reliabil reliability and safety through real-time tra traveler information, as well as travel demand and traffic management. Similar to other Australian jurisdictions, the Victorian government incorporated the four safe system pillar of safer roads, safer speeds, safer road users, and safer vehicles in the road safety strategy and action plan, with an immediate goal of reducing road toll to less than 200 deaths by 2020 and serious injuries by 15%. As can be seen in the table here, it is observed that most jurisdictions practice all of the identified RTM topics. Some of the missing RTM principles are local in nature, such as traffic calming, that's principle five, and parking management, that's principle nine. They are primarily performed by local government. Other observations include the RTM principles are practiced in multi, multiple agencies within the jurisdiction. This demonstrates a broad scope and impact of the RTM knowledge. The RTM goal in most jurisdictions is largely consistent with the identified in this project, that is to enable a safe, efficient, reliable, and sustainable road transport system. Oxford guides and publications were identified as the major sources of information for preparing policy and plans in road transport planning and management by a number of road transport agencies. Next is stakeholder consultation, which consisted of an email survey and follow-up interviews. The primary objective of the email survey was to understand whether staff member from transport agency have practiced any of the 15 RTM principles. The survey was also designed to extract any relevant documents that the practitioner, including planner, engineers, and specialists, may be aware of. Follow-up telephone interviews were conducted to better understand how and to what extent the RTM principles have been employed. The survey questionnaire was circulated to the project working group and relevant internal staff member by the Oswald project manager. The questionnaire, as shown on the left-hand side, include the instruction on how to complete the survey. The participant were asked to select either yes or no to the question about whether they have practiced each RTM principle. If the answer is yes, it's safe to know more about the most relevant document within the jurisdiction. The outcome of the survey revealed a different degree of 
affirmative responses are of 19 participants that completed the survey. 69% have practiced traffic control devices and techniques that principle four, which was the, the highest percentage. This followed by principle 11, which is self-system approach and principle, and principle 15, stakeholder collaboration and engagement. The survey also collected information about relevant reference documents associated with NDRTM principles. It was found that Oswald Guides and Australian Standard AS 1742.1 Manual of Uniform Traffic Control Devices are the main sources of RTM information. Internal regulatory and policy documents as well as guidelines specific framework within jurisdiction were also employed in the RTM practices. For the interview, there were six participants, interviewed A to F as in the table, with varying expertise and relevant practice area across the 15, 15 principles. There are three interesting observations from the interviews. First is the recognition of the interconnectivity between the 15 principles. For example, interviewee E, who indicated that the, the practice of 14 principles mentioned that traffic disruption in the context of network operation planning, traffic control techniques, incident management, and vehicle technology. Also, he mentioned electric vehicle and active mode would influence a parking management strategy, which in turn has an impact on on-street parking design as part of local area traffic management. Second point is the multifaceted nature of the principle. Given that the survey does not provide a definition or detail of each topic, the extent to which an RTM principle would incorporate was based on individual understanding and experience. The principles that were perceived multidimensionally are multimodal network operation planning, functional road classification, travel demand management, self-system approach and principle, human factor and road user behavior. As an example, functional road classification was considered a prioritization tool for funding of road maintenance activity by interviewee A, whereas for interviewee C, this principle was related to the movement in place framework for project planning and design. The last observation point is about the level of practice for each principle. The application of many principles can be perceived from different perspectives, ranging from a general understanding of the topic and a specific interpretation based on experience to a consideration during project planning and knowledge utilization as a job requirement. For example, why interviewee F incorporate the safe system approach and traffic control devices requirement in the process of developing standards and policy. Interviewee C consider road safety for project implementation in activity centers. The last two observations reflect the limitation of the stakeholder survey where the survey decides clearly only practical experience without providing a definition and scope of a topic, thereby resulting in different interpretations. 
Now let's see how the RTM framework looks like following the literature review and the review of the current practices in Australasia. The framework here incorporates the goal and objective of RTM on the top and the principle of managing road transport activity to the left. And on the right-hand side is the connected area of consideration within the RTM landscape. The RTM goal is to enable a safe, efficient, reliable and sustainable road transport system. The primary objective of the framework is to present the multifaceted aspect of RTM in a systematic and harmonized manner. The framework, underpinned by the 15 principles, would provide road transport authority and relevant agency and overarching guidance and a common understanding of the interconnectivity of the RTM approaches. It also incorporates knowledge that is primarily based on Oswald guides and contemporary RTM disciplines. Practicing one topic with an understanding of its interrelationship to other topics will contribute to achieving the RTM goal. There are five areas of consideration in the RTM landscape when planning, designing, constructing, operating, and maintaining a road transport system and its elements. Mobility is the core function of, of a road transport system, and without its provision for people and goods, the road space would have functioned as a de destination or a location where activity occurs. For example, a pedestrian mall has a very limited mobility for vehicle, but with an enhanced place function for pedestrians. Safety reflects the safe system approach and principle, where the four pillars are managed to reduce and eventually eliminate death and serious in injury. The safe system is based on the understanding that road users make mistakes and can only tolerate limited kinetic energy exchange before death or serious injuries occur. Assets represent the life cycle management of road transport infrastructure with a primary objective of minimizing the whole of life cycle costs. An integrated asset management process, as mentioned by ASIF, takes into account strategic planning and the establishment of service level through the evaluation and assessment of ongoing improvements. Technology relates to intelligent transport system and in particular cooperative ITS or CITS. It covers integrated communication and the control and processing of information. Given rapid changes in transport and vehicle technology, this is a key area of focus in RTM for improved mobility and traveler experience. And the last area is triple bottom line, which is an underlying consideration of economic, social, and environmental aspects. The triple bottom line is applicable to every RTM principle. This slide shows how the RTM landscape diagram changed from the pre-workshop with Project Working Group. With input from stakeholders during consultation, the RTM landscape in the framework, which is on the right-hand side, is a snapshot in time of how the RTM principle interacts 
within the four main areas of mobility, safety, asset, and technology. All 15 principles can be considered from the mobility perspective. It is anticipated that the position of each principle in the RTM landscape would change over time, for example, moving toward the center because of better technological integration. Also, the definition and scope of the principle would revolve around the changing demand for road transport, mainly due to adoption of new technology that can be further discussed in the next slide. Given that ITS technology are evolving rapid, rapidly with better integration between the system and data, it can be reasonably anticipated that there will be an increasing demand from road users for ITS in road transport. This is to meet user needs and expectations, especially in response to the application of e-cave or electric connected and autonomous vehicle technology. This would have the following implication. For principle three, well-connected transport network infrastructure, in addition to providing road and network connectivity in physical terms, this principle would evolve to capture digital connectivity for intelligent mobility. Building on the current smart motorway concept, road network connectivity would be measured by the reliability and efficiency of CITS infrastructure based on vehicle-to-vehicle -vehicle and vehicle-to-infrastructure communications. For principle two and seven, it is expected that the classification and management of road transport infrastructure would need to be re reorganized in preparation for EKF adoption. This includes road design such as lane and corridor width, crash barrier design, and traffic signage. Network operation and congestion management, including signal optimization algorithm to better exploit movement data from connected vehicles and digital infrastructure, including the provision of wireless network connectivity that is critical to vehicle technologies. For principle eight, it is important to consider the provision of automated vehicle in the integrated transport planning process, including assumption and parameter use in transport planning, for example, to include, include autonomous vehicle as a new mode in traffic modeling. A review of policy and strategy relating to the design of cities and road pattern and the use of public road space, particularly for place and amenity functions. For principle nine, the introduction of automa automated vehicle will substantially change the parking strategy and management. Some aspects to, to be considered are a convergence of shared, connected, and autonomous mobility to offer a mobility as a service could result in a parking demand reduction, which would enable a relocation of public road space for other use. And with a pick-up and drop-off services, vehicle automation is likely to reduce demand for associated parking infrastructure in an off-street location, such as maneuvering space, boom gates, ticket machine, lift, stairway, and pedestrian path. Automated vehicle will use a map of a nearest available parking location and external vehicle sensor 
to find a suitable parking space by itself without a need to open doors, vehicle can park more efficiently in a sm smaller parking space. For principle 14, human factor considerations are required during a transition to a road transport environment with fully autonomous vehicles. It is important to understand the impact of connected and autonomous vehicle on the behavior of road users and the risk of complacency and over-reliance on technology. Additionally, there are human factor, factor challenges during this transition, including driver inattention and distraction, skill degradation, and motion sickness. The relevance of the RTM principle can be considered in the context of integrated system planning from the highest level planning that focuses on the whole jurisdiction and, and entire city or region and at the transport network level to a more detailed planning that occur at corridor, road and link level. It can be observed from this table here that all of the RTM principles can be applied at the level of city, network and corridor or area planning. There are a, lim a limited number of principles that are applicable for the lowest level of planning for transport link or, no or nodes. In terms of star symbols, the most relevant of the majority of the principles can be identified, i.e. principle 1 to 3, 5 to 10, and 13. The remaining principles, including principle 4, 11, 12, 14, and 15, can be applied consistently to all relevant planning levels. The RTM principle can also be recognized in the context of infrastructure asset development cycle, from strategic and solution planning to the design, construction, and operation and maintenance. This table shows how an RTM principle is relevant to each stage of asset lifecycle development. It can be seen that all of the principles are applicable at every development stage. Additionally, based on the number of stars, system and solution planning is an important stage in utilizing the RTM framework and principle, given the high relevance of the majority of the principles. This is the end of my our presentation, and we hope that the, the framework and principle discussed today would help harmonizing jurisdictional approaches to RTM. Thank you everyone for attending the webinar. We are now happy to answer any question. Thank you, Stephen Art, for presenting. Uh, you covered a lot of information with, within the report very well. So we've received some questions from the audience, which we'll go through now. The first question that we received is, do you see a practical purpose for the framework? How do you envisage it could be used by practitioners? Um, as mentioned in my presentation, um, the um, understanding one topic in the context of a wider picture of how to manage road transport network is really important because people tend to be specialized and, and for example, if I'm an asset engineer, the focus is all about asset management. And by doing that, in some circumstances, when you 
work in a more complex project scope, then you might miss out um, the ability to truly achieving the goal of road transport management set out in, in the framework, i.e. safe, efficiency, efficient, reliable, reliable and resilient or sustainable transport system as the main goal. Excellent. Thanks for clarifying that one, Art. Uh, another question we received uh, relates to slide 46. So you mentioned the framework will change over time with more of the principles moving towards the technology field. How will the framework be updated over time? I might go back to number 46. Yeah, I, I, I think the, um, the key objective of the framework still remain in terms of presenting the interconnectivity and all the consideration of the road transport management principles. And I think it, it might be a future scope for Oslo to look in five or 10 years time to look at how the interaction of each principle within the landscape change and, and we can do the evalu evaluation and assessment of how applicable and the performance of each principle in achieving the, the the, the goal of RTM. Anything you want to add, Asi? Um, not exactly. Just just to, to touch base on this, because when we when we discuss these fifteen principles with the project working group members, we initially came up with eleven principles. Yeah, uh, yeah, approximately right. ten, yeah. eleven principles, that's and right. after discussion with project working group members, then we add four more principles. So that means within the two months time frame, it has changed. So for example, then if, if, if Ostrovs review this one in five years or 10 years time, that would definitely move a little bit, maybe within that particular framework or some principles may be dropped out because of the advancement of technologies. Exactly, or some of them may be consolidated, combined um, together because principle one and two is really close to each other in terms of network operation planning. It needs to consider functional work classification as a whole framework and the move toward the movement in place. Framework is the key. Maybe we we'll com combine them and we even can even combine three and four and that's, that's, and put a more emphasis to the technology part. Excellent. Thanks for answering that one. So the next question also relates to slide 46, and this is submitted by Michael. So Michael asks, why does the triple bottom line sit outside the framework? So good question there. I, I think that's really good. I mean, what, what we try to do is to really um, um, show, represent the, um, the underlying requirement of triple bottom line um, mm. in a diagram. And why acknowledging that there is a, a, an interaction between the four bubbles. So the four bubble is the key, and why at the same time we wanting to acknowledge the triple bottom line is the, the fundamental understanding. That's why it's sort of sitting outside, and, and it, like what I say in the presentation, it applies to all principles, is the fundamental consideration of, of performing any RTM principle or techniques. Thanks for answering that one. Yeah, I thought that was a good question, Michael. Uh, another question we have is, did you see a large difference of responses between jurisdictions during the consultation process? Um, we, we didn't, but um, despite 
disappointingly, um, we actually expected more uh, responses, feedback from a wider um, jurisdiction, but um, unfortunately, we only received the majority from the Victorian um, state. Mm -hmm. But I mean, another um, and like what I acknowledged in my uh, presentation, there is the limitation in the survey, and this sort of sample size one of the limitation as well. Mm, okay. Thanks for answering that one. So um, unfortunately time has crept up on us and we'll end this session shortly. But before we end, just go through some of the webinars that we have coming up. So basically on this slide, we'll be running some webinars for different parts of the Guide to Traffic Management and Guide to Road Design, outlining the changes that have been made to the guide. We also have a webinar on concept of operations on the 21st of November, so you could simply go to the website shown on this slide for more information to register. So we'd like to thank you for joining us and we hope you've gained some insight into the topic. Feel free to get in touch with us if you do have any further questions. So as we close this session, session, if you could please fill out a quick survey as we'd like your feedback and suggestions on other topics you may like us to cover on these webinars. And again, I'd like to thank you for joining us and hope that you could tune in to future webinars with us. And thank you, Art and Asif. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks and goodbye, everyone. All right. Thank you.